0: You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Why don't you just raise your hands right now, even if you're at home watching online? just in this moment, this, this God-ordained moment, and let us together in unity declare to God that you, Lord, you deserve the glory. Only you. Lord, in this moment of time, we put aside everything else that is in our busy week. And we'll just take a moment, Lord, to say, you deserve the glory. Lord, in all the things that have happened this week that are good, you deserve the glory. In those moments when I didn't realize that you were protecting me, that you were guiding me, Lord, you deserve the glory. In those moments of breakthrough, they might have been small, they might have been big, but Lord, they were because of you. That I am your child and that you have gone before me, that you are behind me and you are all around me. And because of that, Lord, even when I don't realize it or notice it, I look back and I can say this morning, you deserve the glory. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you have got me. I thank you, Lord, that you are taking care of me. And I thank you, Lord, that you will lead me until I see and feel and experience the breakthrough that you have destined for me. So Lord, together in unity, I can raise my hands this morning and raise my voice and say, you, you, Jesus, you declare. You declare your love over me. And so I, Lord, can declare to you that you deserve the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you turn to someone, tell them how good looking they are. It's great to see them in the house of God this morning. I don't know about you, but um, Christmas is approaching, isn't it? And at Christmas, I get busy with my plans. And I like to execute my plans very carefully. I take a long time in planning them. But one of the things I find difficult is getting the family together. You know, I have three grown-up kids. They're all married. They've got their own families. So they all have other families you know the in-laws and so to try and navigate a christmas day meal together it's becoming more and more impossible but i try who else tries to make plans they don't always go to how we want but i'm thinking of all the food i've got to buy and then even looking at thinking of oh what films can we sit down together what activities can we do as a family so our plans are important and they take time they take energy. And the Bible tells us that it is good to plan. And I like to be a planner, so that's all good news for me. But I want to talk today about God's plans. And where do our plans fit in with God's plans? And one of the people I want to look at, because it's Christmas, is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And let's just read, if you've got your Bibles with you, turn to the, chap- the book of Luke, and we're going to start at chapter one. And if you haven't got anything with you, no devices or anything, then I'm going to read it to you. So starting at chapter one, round about verse 26. And this is the story of a lady, a young woman called Mary. And it starts with, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy which is her cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. You see, Nazareth was so small, so insignificant, that Luke, the writer here, has to point out where it is so we exactly know where he's talking about. To Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David, so he's of good standing. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. Hmm. I wonder how often people greet us with that. Greetings that we are favoured. Do we forget sometimes that as people of God, that we are favoured people? Maybe we need to hear that a few more times, that we are favoured simply because we belong to God. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with us. Confused and disturbed? Well, who wouldn't be? She might have been at her kitchen sink that morning doing her own business, preparing her plans, and out comes this huge angel called Gabriel shining, and I would be confused and disturbed, and I'm sure everyone would be. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Oh my goodness, that, just, that isn't just one little thing, but the angel unpacks it that it gets bigger and better. Mm. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Now, she isn't questioning with any doubt. She's sincerely asking a question of how exactly is her part in this going to happen? And it's okay to ask God the things that we don't understand. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In other words, you just got to be obedient and step into God's plan, Mary. You don't have to worry about all those details, but this is going to be all of God. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he'll be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age, and people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her six-month for the word of God will never fail. If you have got your device or your Bible, why don't you just underline that or highlight that, that the word of God will never fail. Mary responded. I love this response. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now, I'm not sure if I was in Mary's shoes that day, that I could be at a place where I'd say, hey, yep, Lord, I say yes, bring it all on, whatever you've said, let it happen to me. Because this young teenager, she was very young, she was betrothed. She was taken. She was engaged. She was about to get married. And here's an angel of the Lord declaring that she's going to be pregnant before she gets married. She would be ostracized from a community. She may even face death because the penalty was stoning. I am not sure that I would want to step into God's plan right there and then. You see, when I look at this story, I realize just like I've got my plans for Christmas, Mary had plans for her life and she was about to embark on them, because the word of God tells her her plan was she was engaged. The angel Gabriel, I'm not being rude here, but don't you realize that this young lady is already on a path, on a plan, and it all looks good, and it's not against God. It's in with God's will, and she's engaged to a good man, a godly man. What could be wrong with that? Why would you want to mess that up? And I guess that if I was that teen bride, I would be busy writing out my list, thinking about what dress I was gonna wear, what guests I was gonna invite to the banquet, what food we were gonna serve, what venue we were gonna hire, what photographer. Oh, and I would be dreaming and daydreaming. I think that's every young person's dream, especially a young girl in, in this setting, It was her goal. It was where she was supposed to be going in life, was to get married, to settle down, to have a family, to nurture as part of the community. But along comes the angel of God with a different plan. I often wonder why Mary was chosen. Do you ever wonder that? I mean, she was poor. She was far too young. And she was unknown. She was unheard of. She was unseen. But as we start to read through the Gospels, and if you read in other places, and you start to put a picture together of this young woman, this young teenager, Mary, you start to realize that her character was godly, that she happened to be in the right place at the right time, and God chose the right person. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be in the wrong place at the wrong time but right now, this young person was in the right place at the right time. It all looked wrong. It all looked like it didn't fit. She wasn't rich. She wasn't known. She wasn't mature. She wasn't proven. Yet God searched across all the earth and he landed his decision on this young girl. I don't know God's ways, but I trust in them. And one of the things that is evident in Mary's life as the gospels start to unfold, that the key thing is she trusted God. She was busy about her plans. She was busy about preparing to get married. She was busy about sorting out the food and the stuff and the lists. She was so busy in that. But at the same time, she never gave up being busy in the things of God. How do I know? Because she said yes. Because she was willing to surrender her plans to God's plans. Because she knew the scripture. She knew that there was a time coming where the Messiah was coming. She knew what to expect. And she was probably waiting and hoping maybe it could be her. So when you start to look into the characters of this young woman, if you start to uh, see the evidence of her life unfolding, you start to see that there was more to this young woman, this young teenager than meets the eye. She was so called like today's equivalent would be, she was a woman of God. She was a woman of the word. At the same time of having plans for her own life, she never laid down the plans of leading a holy, godly life. Maybe she didn't give up her daily devotion time. Maybe she didn't give up her daily prayer time. Maybe she didn't give up her daily worship time there was a parallel going on in her life. Although she was busy about the worldly stuff and her worldly plans, she was still busy about the spiritual stuff and the spiritual plans. She was still busy in cultivating her relationship with God, and that made her heart ready and willing to say, yes, Lord, your plan, not mine to be reflected later on when her son would grow up and be an adult and say the same thing to his heavenly father. Yes, Lord, your plan and not mine. I wonder today if we're ever in that place where even though we're so busy doing the stuff that we're doing, that we're still busy doing the stuff of God in our life, have we got the balance right? Or maybe is there one thing stronger than the other? When I look at The boy Jesus, he was 12, wasn't he, when the parents lost him? Have you ever had that moment in your life where you can't find Jesus? Maybe that's for another sermon. But this boy Jesus was 12, and they'd gone to the temple to worship. And on the way home, his parents realized two days into the journey that Jesus wasn't around. (laughs) I'm not gonna point fingers at their parenting, but then they had to travel back to Jerusalem to find their lost son. And they searched everywhere and they couldn't find him. And the one place that they did find him was in his father's house. And Jesus in his innocence just said simply, oh, what did you expect? Where would you expect me to be? I'm about my father's business i 'm in my father's house. that is my plan. that is my priority. I remember many, many years ago when I felt the call into ministry and i I, I felt the the, the 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 decision or the the confliction of children and family and Everything else and work, and how was that all going to fit together? And then simply I realized this phrase Lord, I'm going to be busy about your business. I'm going to sow into you. I'm going to seek you with all my heart. I'm going to do everything you ask me to do. But Lord, please take care of my business, my kids, my family, all the stuff that I need in this world. I'm going to put my eyes set on you and I'm going to soar in you. But Lord God, I'm asking you to take care of my business too. And for me and for many others, God seems to answer that prayer. Jesus was busy about his father's business. Another thing about Mary, she kept on being in the word, kept on being in prayer. She kept on being on fire. She kept on being in worship. You see, when we keep on being, it makes us ready ready for those moments when God breaks through and interrupts because he will come through and interrupt our plans because that's what he did to this teenager. He interrupted her plans. But the difference was she was ready for the interruption. And we can only be ready when we are daily walking with God, when we are daily reading his word, when we don't forget to worship, when we don't forget to pray, when we need him, when we are in that position where we need God, where we love God and we are walking with God as much as we can, it makes us more and more ready and susceptible to hear his voice and ready to receive his plans. You see, being ready is actually a spiritual weapon of warfare. It's in the armor of God and it says this in Ephesians, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We have got to keep ready. Faithful saints, we have got to remain ready. We've got to keep on being faithful, keep on sharing the gospel, keep on serving even when it's unseen. We've got to keep on doing. We've got to keep on giving financially. We've got to keep on loving others and loving God because all that stuff keeps you ready. It prepares you for when God breaks through and interrupts your plans. And Mary was a young woman, a teenager, with the maturity to be ready. I know this because the Word of God says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant may everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her because his work was done. She surrendered her plans, her will to God's plan. God's plan, what was it? It says here, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus, I don't know what God's plan is for your life, but it will involve a conception. It will involve you being ready. It will involve you saying yes and having a willing heart. And it will involve you giving birth to something spiritually. This is just a metaphor. Even physically barren, you may never physically give birth to a child, and yet we can still spiritually give birth to the things of God Don't look at what everyone else is doing. Don't look at what God is doing in anyone else's life. But get in tune with the Holy Spirit and ask God what He is doing in your life for this season, for this time, for His plan. It might not look like your plan. But you see, God's plan is more than Mary's plan. It's so much more, it's bigger. But one thing I love, He didn't take away Mary's plan. Yes, she put so much effort and time into planning her wedding and being married and and betrothed to Joseph and planning her future. As you read the story on, Mary doesn't know this right now, but God doesn't take away that plan. He uses it in his plan. It becomes part of his plan. Maybe what you're doing right now, maybe what you've trained for, maybe the stuff you've done in the past, God is gonna use that in the future for his plan because he turns our stuff around and uses it for his glory and his purpose. Yes, Mary, you can carry on with your planning of your engagement and your wedding. I'm still gonna graft that into my plan. I'm still gonna bring my glory out of that plan that you thought you were putting together. Huh, how often I think I'm doing my plan and it ends up being God's plan that he inspired me to do. Yeah, as we look through stuff, we realize that God is in the midst of it all. But God's plans, they're added to. They are blessed, they are anointed, they are bigger. They are better. And God's plan always touches other people. It always involves other people. When God's involved in your plan, it won't be an isolated me only plan. It won't be about you getting the glory, you getting the finance, you getting the promotion. It will always involve helping, touching, lifting others up. It will always involve the presence and the glory and the anointing and the purpose of God. And so I know this because it says that Elizabeth was pregnant. So even before the angel Gabriel came to Mary and revealed God's plan, God was already at work. Oh gosh, there's so many times in my life where I reach a place in God and I look back and realize, oh, oh, that was God's hand all that time back. He was uh, tweaking things and putting things into place and into position. And he was working on my behalf. And I didn't know it because God is in the detail. And so already there was preparation. There was a woman that Mary could go to for help, for, for mentoring, for encouragement, someone who was further along the journey than she was at that stage. It's amazing how God puts people in place to help us it's always a bigger plan than what we are she came from a little unknown town called nazareth she was a small young girl she hadn't started out in life yet she was already taken betrothed as i said before she was unknown she had no voice she had no influence no one had even heard of mary Yet God had heard of Mary, God had seen her, God had heard her, God had watched her. And just like Mary, you and I don't miss the gaze of God, the knowledge of God. He is watching, he is seeing, he is knowing, he's all knowing. He sees us when no one else sees us. And he has a plan for you and for me. He has a plan for all his children. This unremarkable young teenager with no status, no experience, no education, no famous family, no finance to speak of, no position, no power, no privilege. It doesn't matter whether you've got that stuff or not. It doesn't even matter what family you belong to or what age you are or what gender you are. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. If you would step into his plan, I am amazed how God uses the weak things of life. It says in 1 Corinthians, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called, because this is what a plan is. This is what happens when you step into God's plan, it becomes a calling. Not many of us were wise by human standards, thank goodness. Not many were influential, not many were of noble birth but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chooses the lowly things of this world and the despised things. Things is people and the things that are not to nullify things that are. That does not mean that I can't be used by God or you can't be used by God. None of us are exempt because all of us have different weaknesses. God isn't looking at your status, your position. He's not looking at your cleverness. He's not looking at what you've done. He's not looking at who you know or what car you drive or what house you live in. He's looking for a heart, a heart that is willing to say yes, a heart that is willing to step into God's plans and surrender our own plans. You know, I wonder today how many of us are tired and weary or just feel weak or overwhelmed right now. When Gabriel appeared to Mary, he said, greetings, favored woman. In some versions it says highly favoured. And as I touched on just now, I just want to hone in a bit more that we need to hear highly favored. We need someone to whisper or shout over our lives, you, child of God, you are highly favored. You are not weak. Even when you are weak, you can be strong in God. You are not alone because when you are alone, you are never alone in God. And there are such amazing, mighty things that God wants to do through your life because you are highly favored favored. Mary's response is like our response would be, (laughs) troubled and confused. In other versions, very fearful, very frightened. What does this all mean? What is God going to do? It's because we, we either have a flawed perception of ourselves or a flawed perception of God, the heavenly loving Father. And when we've got that wrong perception of God, we, we back away from God's plans. We don't trust that he'll carry us through. We, we just rather count the cost of what we're going to lose instead of the blessings of what we're going to gain. And will God come through with it all? And will he hold me up? And, and will he take me through? Because it is scary. Why is it that God's plans are not easy? Because we could do it in our own strength without him. God's plans are scary. They feel costly to us. They feel sacrificial. Mary was about to face such opposition and being cast out of her community, as I said before, may have even lost her life. But she counted the cost and God won. God seems to ask us sometimes to do the impossible because he is the God of the impossible. He wants us to partner into the miraculous because we can't see what God can do in us and through us is miraculous. It's beyond ourselves. You see, we carry something within the grace of God. There was a, there's a lady, um, a black African American lady that I like to listen to her name's Priscilla Shira. And she told a story once of her young boy and he'd lost his tooth and it was the first time he'd lost his tooth. And their household, if they lost a tooth, they would gain treasure in the night. And so she's looking for the treasure, the the little boy puts his, his tooth ready for whoever's gonna come and give him the treasure, and he goes to sleep. And her husband decides to replace the tooth with $5. Priscilla is shocked that he's been so generous Usually it's only a dollar a tooth. What's it going to cost us if all the other kids start losing teeth? Five dollars a time is far too much. And then Priscilla's husband starts to explain to her, ah, but you know whenever it's their birthday and all the relatives give them five dollars, we put it in this drawer. And this drawer is full of all these five dollars that belong to the kids. And I just pulled out his five dollars and gave it in place of the tooth so that the treasure that I've given him is all already his and when the little boy woke up the next morning and he got his five dollars he was so excited that in exchange for his lost tooth he now had five dollars not even realizing that it was always his five dollars that it had been there that treasure had been there all that time just he hadn't been able to spend it he didn't realize the treasure already had been given to him bit like you and me. We don't realize the treasure that God has already given to us. We have this treasure. This treasure is Jesus Christ. This treasure is the Holy Spirit within us. And because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we have this treasure within us. And the Bible talks about it like this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all this surpassing power is from God and not from us. When I looked at this, I thought, yeah, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's talking about a jar made of clay, Can you just imagine that? In other words, it's a clay pot. We are described as clay pots. We are very breakable. We're very common. Clay was a common, inexpensive material. And yet, God is saying that although we are breakable, although we are common, he is actually bent down and he has entrusted this clay breakable pot, to carry the treasure and the presence of God himself. I don't think you get it. It took me a while to to really understand it. That that, that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave lives in me, lives in you if you are a believer today. And this, this clay pot talks about being handmade. It's handcrafted by the hands of God himself. And all the clay pots might look a bit different. As you look around this room, we're all a bit different. But God has made us with his hands. We are unique. We are crafted by the heavenly Lord, the potter. And that makes us the clay. We are molded and fashioned and shaped to be carriers of this treasure. It's almost like, if I was to show you a, a visual, it's like, this is a beautiful treasure. Whoops, that I'm breaking. It, a beautiful treasure. And I'm carrying it around with me all day long. And your eyes are drawn to the treasure. Because you can see how beautiful it is it looks expensive it looks amazing you'd like to get your hands on this treasure you take your eyes off me and you look at this beautiful treasure see god has somehow and i don't understand why he does this but you can't see the treasure in me he has chosen to put his grace and his mercy and the treasure, his Holy Spirit, into clay pots that are pretty ugly and pretty normal and commonplace and breakable. In my house, I've got these hard tile floors. And when my grandchildren come, when they use my nice glasses or my nice china cups, if they drop them, pew, They shatter on the floor, so they all get locked away and they have the plastic stuff, because they're breakable. I'm breakable, I'm a clay pot. You know, some of your words or your looks break me inside. And you're the same. The stuff that people do to us, the trouble we get ourselves into, we end up being so breakable. And yet when that breaks, what comes out? What is seen? Is it the treasure within? They say when you squeeze an orange, you expect orange juice. Well, if you squeeze me, what do you get? I hope you see the treasure of God, the patience, the love, the grace that God has put within me and given me. When I break, do I show that treasure? Wherever I go, whatever, whether I'm caught in traffic, do I show the treasure of God that's inside me? Or do I show the clay pot that I am? We're to be a light in the darkness, it's Christmas (laughs) coming. He lives in us and we are weak and we are cracked and we are not perfect, but we carry this treasure within. And this is his plan, this is his purpose that we carry this treasure within and we start to show this treasure, this light to a dark, hurting world. Rather than show our clay pot, rather than show what we are like, we have an amazing grace. We carry within us the greatest treasure ever known. And his plan, is to allow that treasure to shine in all of the darkness. And when I considered this and compared it to the story of Mary, I realized that like Mary, God has a plan for me. He has a plan for you. But just like Mary, the plan is more or less the same. Whatever shape or form that God gives you, his plan, his vision, his calling, it's got the same purpose. It's got the same outcome. The reason that I am saved, to use an old-fashioned word, is so that I can lead others to become saved just like I am. I am saved on purpose, for a purpose. And that might have different outworkings, as God gives me different plans to execute. But it all comes down to one thing. Mary, the plan for Mary's life was to carry Jesus this Christmas, I wonder if the band are gonna come back right now, this Christmas, am I ready, am I willing to carry the presence and the glory of Jesus into everywhere that I go, every situation, to all the different companies that I meet over this Christmas season, am I ready, am I willing to step into God's plans? and not my own plan, and I'm not just talking about great big visions and stuff like that, or life-changing stuff, I'm talking about the little plans of the words I use, of maybe the things I do or don't do. Am I willing and ready to allow God's plans, God's grace, and God's treasure to pour out of my life, to be a good steward of his church, to be a good steward of the gospel of Jesus Christ and carrying this awesome message of grace. I wonder if you just stand with me a moment. Today I've talked about plans. I've shared a little tiny bit about my plans and the way that I try and fashion and organize my Christmas plans with my family Then we've looked at Mary, that she had a plan, a good plan, to get married and settle down. And then it got interrupted. But not only did it get interrupted, that God came along and interspersed and didn't chuck away her plan entirely. He just made her plan into his plan for his glory. And that was to bring Jesus Christ into the world. And that is our calling. And that is God's plan for our life this Christmas and beyond. To bring Jesus Christ into the world of the lives of the people around us. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for what we glean from the life of Mary. I thank you, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose for every one of your children, even those that don't know you yet. I thank you, Lord, that your plans are good, that, Lord, you even go before us in those plans, that you even bring others along to help us in those plans. And I thank you, Lord God, that as we step into your plan for this year that's coming, That, Lord, it not only grows us bigger, but it affects the people around us. It touches the lives of others with your glory, with your grace, and with your love. So our prayer, Lord, for this Christmas is help us to carry, like Mary did, to carry the presence of Jesus in all that we do, in all that we say in all the people that we meet and rub shoulders with this Christmas. We want to lift your name high and we want the glory of God to touch others' lives and our lives too. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening so well.